0: Hello and welcome to the grove church podcast i'm charlie lofton the lead pastor there and we are so glad that you're joining us whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new we are really glad that you are joining us and if you are new in some way and i know that a lot of people will do that will listen to sermons first before they visit I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point you can join us live in our services on sunday 9 and 10 30 or our streaming Service at ten thirty. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here, uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us.
1: All right. Well, hey, good morning. My name is Mark. I want to welcome you also to the Grove. Uh, we are in. If you're just walking into the middle, we're in this series where we're talking about these different stories of the miraculous things that our Jesus did. And. Um, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, Charlie started out kind of talking about the stories that he likes and the, the movies in particular that he's kind of into and the ones that he's not. And I just, I guess it fits because today we're going to be talking about uh, the Jesus, uh, the exorcist. And so I, I guess I'll just uh, go ahead and call out, you know, scary movies are the ones that, that are not my favorite. Um, I've got a, a high schooler that loves them. And is always trying to get me to to watch those also, and I just I haven't been able to buy in. Now the ones that are just not realistic, you know, and whatever the bad thing is, I can just put it in the category that that thing doesn't exist, so I don't have to be afraid of it. Like those those are fine, or the jump scare ones is what he goes, you know, sometimes called. Like I'm good with that. In fact, there was one not too long ago that the thing, the bad thing was just so ridiculous that even the main character like looked at it and then looked back down and went, nope, nope. In fact, that was the name of the movie, nope. Nope, that's just not there. Uh, but something like Cujo, which a lot of people may not have seen, the. The old movie Cujo about the rabid dog and the family that's in the car and the big rabid dog is trying to go after him. Now, that'll scare you. like That That ruined me for big dogs from then on out because I'm sure every one of them is rabid and every one of them is coming after me and that's not going to work. Um, you know, another one that got me, this has uh, really rocked me ever since, maybe the reason that I'm, that I'm still kind of afraid of scary movies, is uh, The Exorcist. Uh, my interaction with that was only about a maybe a 30 second clip and and here's the scene so so you know growing up what we did uh in the time that we did we had an antenna we we got two stations uh if it rained and stormed and we turned the antenna just right we'd pick up a third and so if we went to somebody else's house or we were at a hotel or something like that like immediately uh you know 18 year old me was like man let me turn on the tv and find out like do they have more stations here is there, is there more out there than just the, you know, ABC and NBC? And, um, and sure enough, this day, my parents are, you know, kind of moving into the hotel room. I turn on the TV, and the first thing that pops up is this, this little girl who's like... Moving things around with, you know, the spiritual realm in her mind somehow, and hurting people. And her head is actually spinning around in her body, and she's speaking in this manly voice. And it just—I had to turn it off as quick as I could. And it just—it just shook me. And uh, and even at that point, I think I had, you know, I'd grown up in church. We we often talked about the spiritual, the things that were unseen. And how how real they were, and so to believe even stories like we're going to look at today, um, to believe that there's a spiritual realm and there there are evil spirits, um, man, I knew enough to go like hey that's something that's that's real enough that I that I'm afraid of it like what 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 is that. Um, fast forward a little bit, I'm probably in junior high, and uh, I know this is a wild story, but I, I'm in junior high. Uh, we go to, my parents go to like a, a Sunday school party at somebody's house. The kids are all upstairs, and a high school girl that, that's the daughter of the people who own the house, she's like, hey, let's play a board game. And she brings out the Hasbro uh, 8 and up, aged appropriate game, uh, Ouija board uh it's still wild to me that uh you can you can buy that at the Walmart store but anyway uh she gets this out and i'm like what is this joke you know this thing is so it's you know it's got this little magnifying glass thing and two people sit on both sides and it's got letters and then supposedly you're supposed to talk to the spirits and the spirits guide the little thing around and and I'm just like, man this is such a joke, but I'll go along with it. And so me and this other girl about my age sit there, and we put our hands on the thing, and we start to ask it questions, and it starts to give you answer, spell out answers, and I think she's moving it, and so I'm just kind of going along with it. But then I start to make fun of whatever, you know, the game, I you know, like, man you know. And so this little thing goes from H to A. H-A, like it's laughing. Ha, ha, ha. And I think that she's moving it. And so, again, I'm just still kind of going along with it. But then it gets moving faster and faster and faster, so fast that she takes her hands off of it, and it's still moving. And then it's so fast that I take my hands off of it, and it goes back a few, forth a few more times and then goes off the board. Believe me or not, it happened, all right? And so I walked out of that going all right, well, what do I do with that, you know? Um, again, in this whole realm of my understanding of Jesus and of spirituality, I believe that the unseen exists. It's the, it's the core of faith, right? Hebrews tells us our, our assurance of things not seen, our confidence in things that we can't see, that there's much more in the eternal and the spiritual than there is in the, in the things that we can touch and feel, I believe that, and then I come face-to-face with something that I don't know what to do with, but, have, but also I, I'm reading my Bible, and I'm here in Sunday school, and I'm hearing stories about, about the spiritual. Um, one, more, one more time, I'll share with you my first trip to, to India. I, uh, I meet this guy named Ganesh, I mean, named uh, Yogesh. And you'll guess his family worships a deity named Ganesh, which if you know much about Hinduism and the, the different deities, there's, there's, uh, Ganesh has got an elephant head and a bunch of arms and, um, you know, there's, there's so many different, different deities that are worshiped and um, have been for centuries. And so I'm talking to him and it's my first, this is 1999, I'm right out of college um, I'm sharing with him about my faith in Jesus and what the difference he's made in my life. He's sharing with me about uh, the way that his family worships Ganesh and what, the, what that looks like. And, and we're having this dialogue. And then the day before I leave, we're going to have, me and the friends that are with me, we're going to throw this kind of get together, bring our friends together. And I'm excited. I've invited you, I'm excited about having the conversation with him. And then that night comes, and he doesn't show up. And you know, I'm the guy that's over in the corner of the party, just kind of bummed out because my boy, y- Yogesh, just didn't show up. And so the next day, we leave and uh, we're in a different city, and, and I get a call from him. And I'm like, man, where, where were you? Like, I was so excited to see you, and, and you seemed like you were excited to come, and then you just didn't show. What happened? And he said, Mark, I really wanted to be there. In fact, I had purchased a gift for you that I wanted to give you. And I was excited to talk more about these things. And he said, but I left my home. And on the way to the party, uh, Ganesh met me in the, on the way. And he told me that if I went to this and I met with you, that there would be harm. I should be afraid there would be harm to my, to my family and to me. And I needed to go back home. Um, Again, (laughs) what do you do with that? What do you do with the story like we're going to read today where Jesus meets this man who has, I guess, 2,000 evil spirits in him, and Jesus casts these spirits into these pigs, and they run down a hill and and drown in the water. You know, as Charlie's been talking about the felt board at Sunday school. (laughs) That seems, like, really clean and nice when you just put it on the felt board. But when you really think more deeply... About the reality of the spiritual realm which i think for most of us is just beyond us you know um uh, oftentimes i've been asked about that why does it seem like you've got stories like this in, in your bible and you hear about things like this in places that are far from here and i'll just give you my real quick short and sweet answer to that question that i normally give i think the reality is that the the evil one and his his strategy in this place is working. Uh, the strategy where the, the people on the planet that are a little bit more affluent have a little bit more exposure to education, they start to lean really heavily into the things of this earth. They start to get really distracted. We start to get really distracted with the things that we can have, that we can touch, that we can feel, that we can know. And that tends to numb us. From the spiritual. It tends to numb us from the unseen. And the last thing that the evil one and his strategy wants from us is that we would be awakened to the spiritual. Because for many of us, our next step of growth in Jesus is to be aware of the eternal. Our next step in our walk with Jesus is to be aware of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within the believer. And the reason why that's mostly forgotten and not talked about is because we don't know what to do with that, because that's way beyond where we're willing to go, because we're so consumed with the things that we can touch and feel and see. And so it scares us. (laughs) So, uh, I know that's a long setup for the passage we're about to read, but before I read the story, I just wanted to get us all on the same page. Let's read this story. I'm going to read the whole story. It's 20 verses. Um, I'm going to read it slow, and I just want you to track with me, and just try to put yourself in this scene as Jesus sets this man free. All right, and then we'll make a few observations. So it's, I'm reading from Mark chapter 5, verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of uh, the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. I wish I had a really scary voice, because that would have been the time to use it. It would have made it so much better. I just don't have one. Uh, For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, uh, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, and he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and to leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, but Jesus said, no, you go to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. And so the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. I don't know if you've picked it up, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, but I love the the way that like the last line of these stories, the way they end, (laughs) because it's like, and everyone was in awe. And the people had never seen anything like this before. And everyone here was amazed at what he told them. They were amazed. This was unlike anything they'd ever seen or experienced before. That's, that's who Jesus is. So man, what a story. Imagine what it would feel like to be this, this guy, right? I mean, really put yourself in this place. The loneliness of being up in those, those tombs, uh, separated from everyone else, the uh, feeling of being out of control, uh, the physical harm even that you were doing to yourself, to be in such torment that you're just howling. Um, just imagine, and now all of a sudden, this, this Jesus shows up, and you're free. You're free. Now imagine what that would feel like. But today I want to look at this this guy, but I also want to look at the other characters in the story, because it seems like there are uh, these different characters, and all of them have something that they're afraid of. And uh, I, I fear and, and want to make sure that we talk today about the fear that's appropriate and the fear that's inappropriate. Uh, the characters in this story that see the situation rightly and those who have misjudged it. So to do that, you know, first I want to talk about the disciples. And uh, I know it doesn't feel like we see them much in this story, but it's really interesting. If you go to the, the story just before this one, if you notice when this story started, it said they arrived at the other side of the lake. That's because the story right before this, at the end of Mark chapter 4, is uh, the disciples in the boat with Jesus. The huge storm comes up. There are these huge waves and wind. And, you know, these guys are used to being in a boat, and they're afraid for their lives. Water is coming into the boat. They go, and and, and Jesus is is asleep. (laughs) He's just just sleeping. He's not afraid of of the storm. And so they they have to wake him up. And what does he do when he wakes up? He looks at them and says, you guys, y'all not get it yet? Why why are you afraid? Where's, Where's your faith? And then he just looks over at the wind and the waves and tells the wind and the waves what to do. Chill out. And the wind and the waves stop. And I can't imagine what that calm Felt Because, like. you know, if you've been on a boat, one of my favorite times to, to be on a boat out on a lake is, you know, that time of day where it's just glass, you know, where there's not a ripple in the water and you can just see yourself in it. Imagine it going from crazy, chaotic storm to Jesus says, stop, and it just... Sh- and what it says about the disciples, the disciples say, who is this? Who, even at that point, not understanding who they had in the boat with them, Who is this that even the wind and the waves do what he says? Who is this? So the disciples were afraid. They were afraid of the storm because they didn't realize who they had with them. And then even in the end, it seems like they're afraid of the storm king. (laughs) They're afraid of the storm. But then when he calms the storm, then they're looking at it going, man, we don't know what to do with this person that can tell the wind and the waves what to do. It seems like this this faith and fear thing, uh, he he calls out their faith, you're afraid, and it's because you lack this faith. There's some relationship between the two. If your faith were to increase, then your fear would begin to decrease. If you could see things the way that I see them, Jesus is saying, if you could see it this way, then you would not be afraid, but you're not looking at it with these eyes, You're looking at it with these eyes that can only see the wind and the waves and not who you have in the boat with you. You're missing it. When I was maybe uh, eight or ten, uh, my granddad made this really incredible go kart. Y'all, I I could go on all day long talking about my granddad. He uh, he would just he had the ability to he was real creative and he had the ability to, to make things, could weld and do things, and so he had things. I I got the best grill of any of you guys because my grandpa made it. And uh, and let me just tell you, it's 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 pretty incredible. Anyway. He also made this go-kart, and it got passed from grandkid to grandkid. And uh, each one would paint it a different color. So by the time I got it, I painted it blue, called it Blue Thunder. Uh, put a little lightning strike on it. And, uh, and so one day, we're out there. I'm riding this go-kart that would go way too fast for an eight-year-old to be driving. And, uh, and the, the gas pedal gets stuck. And it's out of control. You know, I'm driving it, but I can't, I can't make it stop. And my parents are chasing me you know, saying stop and trying to catch up with me and and everything and and there's barbed wire fence where we lived and trees and there's all kinds of danger and you know how am I gonna end up stopping this thing? And then, aha, I don't know if my parents were yelling it or what, but all of a sudden I was like, oh, right beneath the steering wheel, the maker of this go-kart, my granddad, put a kill switch and all I gotta do is go like that. And so it was like this crazy, chaotic moment where everybody was afraid, and I was afraid for my life. What's about to happen? And then I remembered, oh, the kill switch is right here. It's been right here all along. There's nothing to fear. Those disciples missed it all along. The one that can calm the waves is in the boat. They're afraid of the wrong thing. And they lack faith. Which is contrasted now with, as we move into this story, the first, the, these demons, it's wild. The, the demons, they get it, right? Jesus shows up on the shore, what happens? They run to him, they hit their knees before him. They beg him, it says they beg him again and again and again, not to torture them. They, they, they get it. They're afraid of the torturer of evil spirits, this Jesus. They know the power that he has, and so they're afraid. They believe, isn't that crazy? And the evil spirits have, have been dominating, but their domination has come to an end, because now Jesus is here. <laughs> you know, it's uh, seems like it's often that uh, m- misevaluated situations in my own life. Uh, one, one really clear example. Uh, growing up, I played a lot of basketball, and you know, we were in a smaller town and had some other friends that we played a lot of basketball. And we thought we were we were pretty handy. Uh, you know, we could beat the other guys around us, the other smaller schools around us. And so we decided to take it next level. We went to a little uh, to a uh, tournament in Little Rock, and let's just say that it didn't go so well. Uh, first game, we played one of the best teams. Of course, our seating was really low. We played one of the best teams and i mean within 30 seconds of the game starting i catch a pass in three-point lands the guy that's guarding me is underneath the basket i've got a clear shot i go to take this shot with all the confidence in the world and by the time i release it this guy comes out blocks my shot brings it down dribbles down the court and then slams the slams it over his head coach calls timeout. we go to the sideline and we look at each other like okay fellas we're not in kansas anymore <laughs> We have, uh, we have you know, not understood this situation very well. We, we thought we were good, and now we just realized, man, this is going to be a long day and a long tournament. And it was. I don't even, I don't even remember what the score was. It was so bad. Um, man, it's, it's really important to walk into these situations and our fear to be appropriate. The demons get it. Jesus is the one that we fear. He's the one with the power here, not us. He's the one with the power. We should be afraid. And then you've got this crowd, and y'all, honestly, the, the crowd is the one that's most frustrating with me, but honestly, probably the one that I would most often find myself in or a part of, identifying with. They fear this Jesus the exorcist. Um, they, they walk up, and imagine if you had been from this town and maybe you were one of the people who has who's tried to, to bind to this guy and put him in chains. And it says that no one could subdue him. I'm sure that ended up in a lot of black eyes and bloody noses and fights to try to, to, try to contain him. Um, man, it says that he's up all night. He's howling. So you can hear this guy howling from the tombs, right? I mean, this, is, this has been a play. You know this guy and then you walk up. And you see him of sound mind, and the reaction they have is this, is, this is weird and crazy, and we don't know what to do with it, so Jesus, get away from us. We don't, this is outside of the realm of what we can understand, so just, just take this elsewhere. There's also a real, I mean, there's these pigs were somebody's livelihood, right? I mean, there was a true loss of property that took place in this story. So the obvious question is, what about that guy? What about the guy that owned the pigs? Now his pigs are all dead and that's, that's a loss. And they look at it and they see that loss. Uh, Jesus has shown up and all he's caused is harm. 2,000 pigs just died. That's a big deal. Uh, side note, just because it came to my brain, uh, this is a crazy story. Back in high school, I had some friends who decided that it would be real fun to go to this cattle rancher's uh, pasture and shoot his cows. Imagine how that ended. Yeah, they, they all got in a whole lot of trouble and they didn't realize that they were gonna get in that much trouble. Like, oh, you can't do that? You can't just go to somebody's place and shoot cows? No, and that rancher was really upset. Imagine what this, what this the guy who owns these pigs, how he feels about that. And so they look at, at the loss of this tangible property. And they say, Jesus, get away from here. They don't realize the bigger picture, the eternal picture of who this Jesus is. And so out of fear and misunderstanding and an unwillingness to go there, they say, go. Instead of, oh, Jesus, please stay. And they miss it. You know, I remember... uh, when I became a follower of Jesus, somebody handed me a little booklet, like a follow-up booklet, like these are the steps of how you learn how to follow him. And, um, and there was this picture in there when it started talking about the, the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. And uh, it was real elementary, but it still sticks with me because uh, it was stick figures, and I can, I can learn in that. In fact, yesterday we had a, a marriage conference here, and uh, Brandi Harris did an awesome job, and her pictures were all stick figures, and so I could really, I could really relate. Um, so this, this picture, this one page about the, the Holy Spirit, it had a guy, and then he had a zipper in his back, And when he made the decision to follow Jesus, then you you unzip the zipper and Jesus steps in. (laughs) And then, and now Jesus, you know, if you'll allow him, then, then the spirit of God is now inside the believer's life. And, and this power of Jesus is there for, for the life and joy and all the things. Like it's powerful because Jesus can step in and y'all, that is, that's what the Bible teaches but in this room today, the people who have put faith in Christ, his power is in us. And you know, it's been a couple years ago, but we even uh, read the book, did a series talking about how this is mostly forgotten and not talked about. Because in the same way that the crowd was scared of it, and they said, let's separate from that because that's weird and we don't understand it. We, are, we tend real often to say that's, that's something we can't put our mind around. And it's in the unseen realm, and we don't like going there because we like things that we can understand and touch and feel. So let's, let's press that out. And as a result, we wonder where the peace is, where the, the power is, where the ability to love somebody more than ourselves and sacrificially, why is it not there? Why does the patience seem so elusive? You know, all the things... But it's because in so many ways we say, you know what? My schedule is completely full. All of my my life doesn't leave any room for this thing that Jesus promised because we don't exactly understand it. We do what the crowd does. We're we're afraid, so we say, Jesus, go. Instead of what the healed man says. (laughs) Because you know what the healed man, uh, Legion, you know what, what he was afraid of? After it happened, he was afraid of being more than two inches away from Jesus' side. What does he beg? You know, the, the demons, they beg him not to torture them. Right? The crowds beg him to leave. The healed man, what does he beg? Jesus, let me go with you. Let me get in the boat with you. Let me be right by your side and experience more of your incredible power, just be in your presence, Jesus, let me be in your presence. Now the the caveat to that, I love what Jesus does, he says, no, no, (laughs) you stay. You stay and you go and you tell everybody what's happened because Jesus knows when they see this guy who there are stories about, everybody knows that he's the guy that was demon possessed up in the, up in the tombs, that now he's of sound mind that they're gonna see the power and know that it's true. And that's exactly what happens. And so then what does he do? Well, he wants to be with him, and when Jesus says, no, you go tell about it. He doesn't say, no, 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 Jesus, I'm gonna do what I wanna do, I wanna be in the boat with you. No, he obeys, <laughs> because he knows who the king is. Jesus, I wanna be with you, but if this is what you want from me, then this is what I'll do. And he goes, and it says, he goes to the whole region, to the 10 towns. The whole area and when people bump into this dude they're like this this thing is real this jesus is different this y'all this is what you do when you believe this guy this is the example this is what you do when jesus sets you free you beg and desire to be as close to him as you can possibly be. when you see that He commands, instructs, encourages us to do something, you say, "Yes, sir, King Jesus, because you're my only hope, and you're my life." Yes, sir. I, I want to do I want to do what you want." When He calls us to look above the temporal and the tangible, to see the eternal. And to care about things that are bigger than us, we say, all right, teach me that way. When he calls us to be in a a boat with the wind and the waves and the storm and all the chaos of life that tends to make us anxious and worried and to be afraid and to live in fear which we know is being bought and sold on every corner and every channel that you've come across and every conversation that you're in, telling us all the th- crazy things that we can be afraid of. And when he calls us to live above that mess and to see it with his eyes and with his perspective and to live fearless because he's in the boat with us, we say, all right, I want that. You know, um After that, that time that I got to be around this guy, Yogesh, and he told me that story about uh, that deity, Ganesh, I, uh, since then I've just, uh, because of what I do, I've been in a whole lot of different temples, Buddhist temples, Hindu temples, places where there are idols of these different deities. And Ganesh is actually one of the more mild ones. He's elephant-headed with these arms and a little rat on his shoulder. But um, some of them, many of them, there's blood dripping down their face. Uh, They've got decapitated heads in their hands or necklaces of skulls around their. I mean, they're pretty pretty hideous and scary just to look at because they're intended to bring fear. Um, That's kind of their whole game. And uh, a lot of the older uh, people around me, uh, in the beginning, were trying to teach me, hey, when you enter into these places or when you're around these places, you need to, you know, be afraid. You need to have a, have a fear of this darkness that you're walking into. And so in the beginning, I kind of was that way. And then one day, I was in one of those places. And I was looking around at these, these statues and seeing people give their worship to these, these, uh, these deities and, and I just realized, no, 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 no. <laughs> the one who should be afraid in this place is each one of them. Because the one that's in me, he's more powerful than them all. And he's in me and in my presence in this place is his power in this place and the demons kneel in front of him, they beg him not to torture them. That's what happens. That's who my Jesus is. And y'all, I think just too many times we we worship a Jesus <laughs> that is not 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 truly who he is. He's too small. This Jesus is King and He's all powerful. Let us rightly view him and live a life where we see the things around us, the people around us, the situations around us with the view that this Jesus is in control, and we trust him. If it's cool, let me, let me pray that he would do that in us.
0: Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast, and you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org, if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcasts, or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast. which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.